And you can say they got obsessed with Obsidian. It was Obsidian. I cannot combine the word of obsessed and Obsidian. It's like, I was trying to think of something cool with that. It's like, Obsessidian? Obsession. Obsidian. Calvin Klein. It's an Obsidian session. Gold star for trying. I was like, give me a silver star. I don't deserve the gold one yet. I'll, All right, you've been downgraded. I'll, maybe half a star. I'll, I'll, I'll get that half, half star back. Don't worry. Just a reminder, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. The notes for what that series might be popping up will be in the description. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Gaming Theater Podcast. Today's episode is now episode 6, A Brief History of Obsidian Blades. This with us is going to be, once again, a couple of friends who've popped in. Once again, my name is Leo. I'm the Geek Scorpio. My name's Ben. I am the El Penguin. And my name is Nathan. I am also known as Aram the Red. Great. Now with that, before we get started with this show, let's take a quick little stop over by the Magical Merch Booth. Alright, here we are back at the Magical Merch Booth, and today well, we have nothing but glass. Glass everywhere. Glass sores, glass things, and a glass picture of you, El Penguin. Uh, looks like it's uh, about some kind of photos of yourself on Instagram. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Uh, yeah, I actually got a Instagram called uh, El Penguin Gym. Uh, some of you may not know, I also work as a personal trainer because... We got to work the um, body muscles as much as those brain muscles as well. But it's like I always go through. It's like, listen, for all your uh, questions, concerns, and swole gains to yearn, just check out El Penguin Gym on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. All right. That's great. Now it looks like the lines are starting to move around. Let's get back to the show. All right. So today's episode is going to be about a brief history of Obsidian Blades. Um. Just so that way you're aware, there was an episode that we made called about glass sores. Arm was uh, the narrator of that episode, and we the way it worked out is that glass sores appears in a lot of sort of mythology and, but also in history as well. When they talk about glass sores, there's usually only one real material that's used, not actual glass, but obsidian. Obsidian is a volcanic uh, rock, and it's a pretty common rock. But obsidian has some interesting pro- properties to itself, mainly that it's it's one of the sharpest materials on Earth. Now that has to deal with uh, the properties of obsidian. So, if you were a person who who was up during the Stone Age, your big thing is trying to do rocks. This is far before even working with metal or forging or don't even consider those. You're just find a rock. Hopefully, you make that rock into a tool, and you use that tool for something else. Very Minecrafty in that way. Find a rock, use it for another tool to build another tool, tool to make things better, then get it, then keep going. Obsidian is mostly found near volcanoes. The heat and pressure from a volcano will turn um, will turn a lot of sand and such into an obsidian block. And when obsidian, if you ever want to sharpen it, you don't exactly sharpen it like you would a a piece of metal, like a blade, what you do is what's called um, flint mapping or flaking. You break it. The point of where it's broken makes that uh, the obsidian piece to be the sharpest thing 
that you can. The most common things that we see from these ancient cultures that they use it for is either simple knives, or we see it being used as um, arrowheads. It's probably the most common thing I've seen it is is an obsidian arrowhead. Oh, the most common. Because <laughs> what's better than a nice little piece of volcanic glass? You can just, oh, I'm just going to put you up here and you're already pointy. Yeah, it'll t- cut through a large amount of things. Um, the, If you're wondering the weird scientific principle to this, the way it works out is that the obsidian has a high silica content. So it's mostly silica, mostly sand, and I believe, and that's where you get glass fibers. Glass is usually sand that's superheated to a point where it melts. Um, so what happens is that large nations and such will, and cultures, like, um, for example, the Greeks, Romans, they, the, uh, it's not an uncommon rock to find obsidian, and their cultures will start using obsidian as a type of, type of blade, just like any kind of knife. But Mesoamerica is where we really see the large tradition of it. Oh, jeez, man. And you cannot start the conversation of ascending ancient times without bringing up Mesoamerica. So here's how Mesoamerica works with it. Now, in Mesoamerica, so we're talking the Aztecs, Incans, Mayans, those sort of cultures, they are still, uh, they're primarily in South America and Mexico area. Now, the reason why that's important is because this is still in the same area that we colloquially call the Ring of Fire. It's, I think the Ring of Fire goes from all the way around the It's, yeah, completely around the Pacific Ocean, doesn't it? Yeah, it's all the nations and uh, territories that uh, basically are at the uh, edges of the Pacific Ocean, uh, as we know it from, say, the uh, North American West Coast, all the way up through Alaska, where the former land bridges crossing over into East Asia and down the eastern coast of Asia, all along there through Japan and so forth. So what that means for uh, the entire Mesoamerica, Latin America area, um, yeah, a good part of that's just in the Ring of Fire. <laughs> so lots of a uh, lots of lava stuff going on, and hence a lot of volcanic rock, and thus a lot of obsidian. And you can say they got obsessed with obsidian. It was obsidian. I cannot combine a word about obsession and obsidian. It's like, I was trying to think of something cool with that. And it's like, obsidian? Obsession, obsidian, Calvin Klein. It's an obsidian obsession. Gold star for trying. It's like, give me a silver star. I don't deserve the gold one yet. I'll, All right, you've been downgraded. I'll, maybe half a star. I'll, I'll, I'll get that half, half star back. Don't worry. So with that, uh, um, it's kind of where you work with is this and if you're wondering why in Mesoamerica there, we talk about obsidian so much, it has to deal with partially for what you need it for and what you're going to, and your resources. Back in the uh, in the Masamune episode, we brought this up once. It's essentially iron gets converted to steel, and the impurities of it is how that works. In Mesoamerica, it's a little different. Mesoamerica has forging techniques. They They know how to melt metal. They don't have as easy an access to iron. Um, iron deposits can be found in various places, but in uh, when you're talking about in the South America, the Mexico region, most of that is um, uh, they don't they have the the leftover volcanoes, and when you have, and instead of learning how to 
makes iron into steel. They just essentially made uh, learned better ways to utilize the tools that they have, their, their obsidian that they've got, which is why they have a, which is why one of the Aztecs' big weapons that they use instead, which is considered a glass sword, because that's what they called it, is called a maquatl. And it looks like a, correct me if I'm wrong with this, it looks like a cricket bat, basically. It's just got a wide wood paddle and just razor set, uh, and just uh, slits in it where they put pieces of uh, obsidian glass inside that those slits. I, th- I think the way it described the, 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 did you call it Maquito? I've always heard of it as like Maquito, but it, it might be stuff. wrong. Maquito, Maquito is how I heard it. Tomato, tomato, Maquito, Maquito. <laughs> like you know what? Statistic- statistically, one of us might be right. <laughs> but anyway, I think the only way I've, I've described the Maquito to others is just like imagine a cricket bat, but someone turned the sides of it to a saw <laughs> with like glass swords, like like glass pieces that they found on the volcano. And then thought, ah, eh, we're going to make the center of it pretty. And then put the little designs in the center. It's like, awesome. But what was insane with that is that and it was uh, through a documentary that I was seeing. Is they were actually comparing um, conquistador Spanish weapons with, like, you know, ancient Mesoamerican weapons. And what was really insane is that because of, like, you know, of course, iron versus rocks, like, iron's going to win. But because of how they designed it, it was actually able to handle, like, pretty well compared to, like, an iron sword, even though it was literally just made of like wood and rock. Oh, yeah. Sometimes ancient technology still beats out the modern technology of that day. Uh, like a big famous one is um, Shaka Zulu. He would uh, um, manage to hold back the British army with spears and tactics and leather shields. At the time that they would still have muskets and the beginnings of rifling, they still managed to be held back by Shaka. So, what then? So, do not disregard technology for weaponry and how that works. Um, there's this thing that I always loved is that when people uh, is talking to somebody and they are like, "Hey, how come these guys are just trying to form up?" Like when you're using muskets, they go into these formations where they're just all lined up. And if you talk to anyone uh, to people who understand the military history, uh, it's essentially this is most, the most efficient way to use those weapons. We don't think about it until uh, at the time because it looks odd for us to see a line of people line up, go forward, and have to fire their bullets one at a time, stop and reload. But... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, but... When they're lined up like that, that's the most efficient way for them to aim uh, muskets. Anyone who's uh, seen a musket, one of the things uh, that problems that muskets have is that the bullets will bounce around in the chamber. So it's not exactly accurate unless you can line it up right. Um, it's one of those things that you kind of get that you don't think about it unless you do. You look some stuff up to find out how military technology works on that. And if you're wondering how weird that becomes again, is Muskets and older rifles called an aquas, which is basically just a single-shot rifle, have been used in Japan very successfully during the ages of uh, of the feudal era, too. Even though they had swords, bows, they still had gunpowder. It's just not the most efficient thing that they had at that time. This kind of shows just like, you know, sometimes what you, what you got to work with and 
and just your own creativity is sometimes just the best strategy. Like, uh, I've seen back to a uh, Shaka Zula. I remember that mm-hmm. I think he was really well known for having like a, like the Lion's Man was almost shaped like, like bullhorns. So like you think you're getting closer, but you don't even realize mm-hmm. you're slowly getting surrounded by them. And it's like, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of a big thing. He was just a huge strategist on that as well. Oh yeah. Now it's also from your field of, uh, of combat. Now, why this is we bring this up and this is important is in um, a lot of fields of combats change your your what you need to do in Greece and in Europe a lot of them have a lot more planes and fields so having a defensive shield is really important to hold that off in Mesoamerica though in the territories of Mexico and South America their big uh, terrain that they have to deal with is jungles it's like jungles deserts uh Freaking like anything that it, it's basically just going to be either hot. Your choice is either just something wet or something dry. But most of the places it's just jungle upon jungle. And a lot of times like bigger bulger things like that. Just like it's it doesn't work out that well. Actually, what's really amazing is that when you actually look up, um, check out some of their weaponry, a lot of it is usually a lot smaller. Where given the territory the end would make sense because like they got to be able to still maneuver around a lot of stuff things, and I think what was uh, really cool with some like especially in the Aztecs is that they would actually take long shards of obsidian and like wrap it on top of their wrist, so then they could almost go in for a punch and then put their hand down and then just stab them, kind of like Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it was a it was a thing, and that's like like. F it, dude. If you, if you can, like, man, if I could just have, like, a piece, if I was an ancient, like, Mesoamerican, and I just thought, oh, this is nice and sharp. It's got a tide here, so every bitch slap is actually deadly. Hey, if it works, it works. And uh, even though, like, even with the uh, Mequaddle and even that little arm blade, it may not last very long, too, because mm-hmm. the durability of obsidian isn't known to be <laughs> one of its uh, higher uh, mm-hmm. points of. of pros its sharpness is only compared to its uh, fragility and it's very sharp yeah in the i believe it's on the ohms uh i think it's called the ohms uh hardness scale so if you don't know oh most hardness or uh, scale of hardness so if you don't know that uh here's a like a weird primer on on most scale so the most scale is the scale of how hard something is basically or how dense it is you're they base the scale as a 1 to 10 uh, 10 scale 10 is the hardest object we know organically which is uh diamonds and one is the most brittle and and the uh thing that you have so most hardly scale has obsidian somewhere between five and six so it's like it's not like super like fragile but it's like it's still gonna break pretty easily mm-hmm. Yeah, it's above it's average. average. <laughs> <laughs> it's above. It's it's better than most things, but it's kind of the bottom of being better than most <laughs> things. It's like it. Listen, it barely got the the fifty one percentile. <laughs> Just to reference talc, which is almost a chalk. Um, I think that's it. Oh, yeah. Talc is a, a hardness scale of one. You can I you can just break it with your bare hands if you want to. And that's that ain't no thing. Now. If you're wondering how that works out, five to six is uh, five to six on the most hardness scale is slightly better than 
cheap steel. Oh, it's cheap iron. And they count iron uh, basically in its original form, in a rock shape, not when it's purified. So, better than nothing. Still better than nothing. It's like, listen, with the resources they had, it's just like, I mean, they can go out of their way to try to find a bunch of iron, hopefully, or this gigantic surplus because we're next to the Ring of Fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're in a place like in Mesoamerica with like his- histories and civilizations like the Aztecs, where you can, hey, let's just integrate this fully into our culture and perhaps into our spirituality, why not? And then carry it straight into our warfare. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, man. Like, it, it's not even an under-exaggerating to say that it was used for straight up everything mm-hmm. it's like you want like when we're talking about the sharpness like you know that thing was made into like knives of course the mequitos walls like axes and all that stuff but they also used it for everyday things jewelry mirrors cups right because it wasn't just a sharp surface or sharp edge you could use it was also a hard surface that could be used for multi-purpose and it had a uh, reflective surface at the same time right and actually what's uh what's pretty saying is that obsidian like because of its whole mirror thing is actually pretty used for like a lot of uh symbolism things um so for your D D nerds uh skyring scrying essentially scrying just, scrying it's just yeah. there scrying is, scrying is that, is that how you pronounce it yes all right scrying thanks guys essentially it's just there kind of like kind of like the equivalent of like a crystal ore but it's just there for like the whole spiritual um consumption of just things like um ancient shamans would just use it for so many ritual sacrifices and What's insane is that um, in the ancient Mayans, obsidian was actually, uh, I believe it was called, let me check my notes real quick. Obsidian was called Itli, which was literally translated to God of Stone. They're literally calling this special black rock, it's like, you're God level with how great you are. And it's like, you know what? They knew how much value this thing actually had, and they just respected it and just... Yeah, use it for everything. Yeah, like it was a gift from their own gods and was meant to be utilized as such as well. Mm-hmm. If you're curious on this, um, one of the things that came up with this is because we play uh, on one of the reasons we wrote the episode on Glass Swords in game for a gaming theater was because a question uh, Glass Swords will show up in different video games and they all have the similar properties, which is not too far from the truth. Um, a big video game out there is Ergy Eyes, God bless the ring. I didn't title this. That's just its name. You have to say the whole thing. Urgeis is a is a is a fighting game, kind of like in the similar vein as a 3D version of Street Fighter, back in the PlayStation One era. But when the game came out, uh, it was an arcade title as well. When it came out into the PlayStation, they added an RPG mode into that game, and in the RPG mode, different things could give you random drops, and it was. It had an interesting level up system, but one of the items that it will drop that you can find is a glass weapon. Typically, it's a glass sword, but they have a glass knife. They have glass fists in that game, too. It's just a glove, I guess. Oh, boy. What's the worst that can happen? Oh, God, my hands. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I regret everything at this moment. Um, That's shrapnel damage, though. But they had this concept in it where once you were using it, each weapon, uh, each of the glass weapons did a ridiculous amount of damage. Um, for example, mm-hmm. a, you could find a basic knife, and it gave you an attack power of three. You can find the same basic knife that's actually a glass knife, and its attack power is 30 as a level one item. <laughs> you are now 
like sometimes it can be as crazy as five to six times your own attack power just by equipping it. However, it lasts for maybe two to three hits. After that, donezo. It breaks and shatters, and you can never do it again. Fun while it lasted. It's like, but again, that just reflects the whole <laughs> thing with sitting. Just like, listen, it is sharp like a mother, and that is only comparable to its durability. <laughs> Where, which, which again also says something well for it because um, I know that Maquitos were actually known for being so sharp they could actually take the head off a horse. And it's like, yeah, it's going to take like maybe two or three strings, but mm-hmm. it's like, that's still a fairy, that's still the neck of a horse, bone included. And we're not even starting with the literal shrapnel damage that they're leaving behind in there. It's like, even if you only get like barely bummed on that, it's like, there's there might be some glass stuck inside of you. It's like, and that's not even going to be your choice anymore. You just. You just had the bad choice on finding the dude who had this. Yeah, that was a story we covered when we uh, did the recording. Uh, it may be apocryphal, but it's it's fairly plausible at the same time. Of course, nobody's going to test that <laughs> these days. Uh, we do. <laughs> I, I need a I need to borrow your horse yeah. and a whole lot of a caudal right there. It's like I, I feel like the closest I've seen to being tested was like on Deadliest War. They use like a ballistic gel horse head. Yeah, that's about as close as you could get. Oh yeah, but it's just like no, that still took like two to three shots, and it's like I think the dude who swing it was like not even that stacked. It's like no, this this is just a very scary weapon. McQuaddle's biggest flaw, as far as a weapon goes, is when is when the obsidian parts break. You have to basically replace the obsidian parts, um, and that's just because uh, obsidian again will break really easily for it. So one of the things with this is that uh, when you're using these obsidian-based uh, weapons for it, there you'll see in in lores and such, oh, a black, a nice black sword of of glass. This obsidian uh, blade, good lord, that is crap in real reality. Um, if you decide to, and you want to have fun, look up at some point, someone forging a glass a sword. So when you're forging a, a iron sword or a metal sword, you take the metal, you'd melt, uh, melt it down, put it into some kind of, um, mold to mold out your blade and then let it cool. And then you have the blade that's sharpened and then you, you work the blade by hammering it down until it gets to those fine points that it needs to. If you watch any YouTuber to do that, there's three ways that this goes horribly wrong each time. <laughs> Number one, they will use a large iron rod to try to hold the glass together. And oh, no. So it will look like a glass sword, but it will not be made of, made of glass at all. It's just basically a rod with a glass sheath at best. Um, almost everyone I've watched, I'm to number two, it just destroys their home, their homemade kill, uh, killings and and uh, forge stuff. It just breaks it. I'll explain why in a second. And um, number three, the ones who have have successfully melted it down into a a blade usually have to add so many different chemicals to it. It stops being obsidian. One person I watched to do this uh, melted it down so much that it became pure. Uh, it became entirely glass. So it didn't even look like obsidian anymore. You had to add steel, uh, add certain things to basically color dye the, the thing. But though to color dye uh, those shards, they're pieces of metal, and he's once again chemically breaking it down into metal on that. My chemistry is kind of out of it uh, right now, but basically you can still, it's a binding agent to keep it all together. Yeah, not, not a natural thing, that's for sure. <laughs> 
not a natural thing. Um, it's actually kind of interesting because if you had, if you were working with swords and such, you could just melt down a bunch of swords together and make another sword out of it, and its molecular bonds will stay that way. So in uh, for obsidian, that's made of like we were saying silica. Right. Now the reason why that's important is iron will melt roughly. Uh, its melting point is somewhere around seven hundred to nine hundred degrees Celsius. Or hang on, I need to check my nose. Obsidian will melt way faster than iron does. Obsidian's melting point is something like 700 to 900 degrees Celsius. The melting point of iron is 1,000 to 500, uh, 538 degrees Celsius. So in theory, you would be able to melt down glass faster than you would uh, iron. But because of the fact that it melts down and becomes silica, a lot of times what it'll do is it'll melt through the kilns, melt through the things, because it's designed to hold it in shape and then just spill out. It's diff it's a different heat formation when it does that. Uh, we were talking about air guys earlier, and I, was, and I always think back to uh, Elder Scrolls, uh, Morrowind, because that was something that from several years back that I was playing considerably and there's the entire set of uh, glass armor and uh, glass weaponry you can use in there which is like oh it looks it looks really cool it, it, it's nothing like obsidian it's it's bright green as a volcanic stone <laughs> but it's like oh it looks so neat like I get it it's not even that great <laughs> I'm, I'm entering this fight with glass shields and paper weapons yeah my 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 father just wanted me to die, so he said, "Ah, good luck, kid." <laughs> yeah, it, it also doesn't break, so like, oh well, there's there goes that right out the window too. <laughs> I don't know. So funny thing about that, um, I was reading a ballistics report. There was an idea of replacing for um, body armor. What we have as body armor now is ceramic plates that can take a bullet too. So someone uh, attempted to make that same principle, but use glass for that. Um. The when they did that, and anyone who's owned a car, if you ever get a rock or something that flings up and hits you at the front of, of, of your car, you'll see that it does that weird spider web thing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when glass gets broken like that, it disperses the energy outward. The thing is that the glass, the glass itself, doesn't have the physical structure to take that kind of punishment, so it'll spider web to disperse the energy. But once it disperses it enough, it just breaks and explodes. So the, what this person wanted to do was design, uh, design basically this out of glass, and so that way when it breaks, it'll disperse the energy onto that, on uh, just outward. The idea behind it was that way it was cheaper to work with glass than it was to work with uh, ceramic plates. Didn't exactly fly uh, uh, fly as a good uh, option. When a ceramic plate gets hit with a bullet and it shatters, you usually have in your body armor two, uh, the Kevlar that's on the front and the Kevlar on the back. And the reason why you need the Kevlar coating on the back is so when it shatters, those pieces don't cut you. Um, the glass shards would break into a more fine, uh, finer cut, and so it would just, you would take, uh, you have a better chance of getting glass cut into you, which is why we don't do that at all. It's a neat idea, though. He's like, that sounds really great. In theory. So yeah, glass armor it can be a thing. Now, would I want glass armor out of obsidian? No. <laughs> if that mm -mm. sucker breaks, it's the... One of the uh, it's like, if that sucker breaks, you're just getting, like, just 
constant recoil damage over and over. Just like, what the hell, dude? That that bull left me a while ago. Just like, but the obsidian did it. <laughs> it's obsidian's reasons for it. But yeah, there's also um, now if you ever wonder what if we ever stop using obsidian for things um, in the modern era, we use it for jewelry because it looks cool. Um, it's still a very popular thing to be used for um, religious reasons and uh, mysticism. Mm -hmm. uh, from what I understood from it, obsidian is a rock that you can use for different types of mysticism, but it is also kind of your hardcore. Like, there is crystal balls people have, and then there's the obsidian crystal ball, which is pro level at best is what you need to be able to use that. I'm not an expert in scrying. I don't know where that one's going. I just know that that's what that obsidian is. Uh, uh, and I'm only saying this because I just have a bunch of friends. It makes me think just like, think of your best friend, you know, the one with the color hair and the piercings. They might have a thing made of obsidian. The possibility goes up as the uh, colors increase, right? Yeah, I mean, actually, no. There, yeah, actually, there, I think. Oh, Leo, isn't there? I think like wasn't there like some place down that had all the brujeria stuff? You know, somewhere, super suddenly has like all those the gem kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a place in right outside those. It's around the whole thing, where you know people get really spiritual and stuff, and it's like you know you got your your topazes, your obols, but it's like no, obsidian's also very high in the whole spiritual process, and uh, actually we're going take the little conversation back over to Mesoamerica. Let's go a little more south. Um, ancient Incans. So, what I always find interesting with them is like, is like they're just sort of like this one extra like huge, like Mesoamerican Empire, much lower. But what I always find interesting is that they were, somehow thousands of years ago, they were able to do things as complicated as like brain surgery. And they had a whole process where they were able to like take pieces of skulls um, off of someone's head if they ever got any damage, but were able to keep the cuts of it like so clean that they would be able to just not be able to increase the damage anymore. It is just take out what is damaged so it can just recover properly. And I know that they had like certain um, certain tools that definitely helped out with the whole all that. But I, like I'm still just thinking, just like man, what kind of what kind of weird surgeries are they doing just somewhere up in ancient Machu Picchu? Just like let's see, you got what do you got here? You got these black rocks. Um, there's not much air. There's llamas. Uh, well, we're, I mean, Uncle, Uncle's head's not feeling good, so let's just take this little rock and just take a little piece off. I think it'll feel better. So, yeah. Essentially, yeah, uh, they would use it for surgery. And it goes kind of out of practice until about the 70s and where obsidian gets used. So, you kind of have to do this shout-out to a particular person. What we have about obsidian and about... Uh, certain portions of of stone flinting and archaeology can be traced down to a particular uh, person, Donald Crabtree. That's his name. So Donald Crabtree um, is a is a guy who experimented with it in the early twenties uh, or so, thirties. Uh, uh, experimented with uh, different pieces of obsidian, and was kind of one of the pioneers or one of the founders of what we now know as experimental archaeology. Experimental archaeology, for those who don't know, is basically attempting to recreate the or repurpose their archaeological findings back to how it was originally used to understand where the techniques and stuff that, that happened with this. A, a really famous experiment was people were trying to figure out how people from Africa 
would end up in the Americas now, especially in in ancient times. So there's uh, the biggest theory is going across the the ice on the Bering Strait, which is a spot that, of water that's between Russia and Alaska. In those times, especially during the Ice Age, it would be so cold that the whole thing would freeze over and become a bridge. So that's one thing that they have. Another option that was uh, people coming over here was in very small boats that would sail up north uh, with northern men, get caught in a bunch of ice, and still end up in Canada. So those were, for years, the biggest uh, uh, reasons of why we have people in in the Americas. However, there was a third theory that someone was trying to figure out is, what if, what if you just happen to be an unlucky guy, have a tiny boat off the coast of Africa, and manage to just float your way all the way across to, uh, to the Atlantic Ocean and end up in South America? There was a ton of things that said you couldn't do this, mostly because the ocean, uh, way uh, ocean waves work is that they would push you back out to Africa. Uh, in, so it wouldn't go forward to get you to South America. Plus, you'd have to somehow survive the trip itself. It's, but without sails or, or things, it's days and days to get across. But someone ran an experiment, built a small raft, and filled it, and happened to have a cup, bunch of different little foods around. Got into the boat, and after about a couple, a week or so, actually ended up in um, a portion of South America. Showing that there was another way to do it, to that there was a way that possible, but they had to experiment to see if it was even probable for it, and that's what experimental uh, archaeology is: is the act of recreating that experiment for it. So, Nostradamus is like, listen, we we have an idea of the ancient of the ancients trying to use this, but let's see if we can like recreate that though. So. That, that kind of sounds like what you're talking about, just like just recreating something from history just to see if it, if, like, will this actually work? Mm-hmm. Or are, are we just following some sort of telltale? Yeah, so they just recreate it. Um, what um, Crabtree did was that he essentially took a stone pieces, mostly obsidian, and various other rocks, and just sort of flint mapped with it. Um, he actually got really good at this and uh, presented it as a paper that, yeah, if you were some guy flint map your your way taking these rocks cutting them down into being sharper or better tools you can use them for other to, for other things out there and it would take a per, um some people th- a lot of archaeologists thought that this was kind of crazy you'd have to have pre-existing tools to do that but the way he experimented was it no you can just pick up a, a rock it would take a while to get it into a good shape but anybody could really do that and that's sort of the case of this experiment for it now, the reason why this is important is that he becomes the leading expert in flint mapping, and he's got a small museum in southern Idaho uh, where there's a bunch of artworks that he made just from sheer flint mapping alone. And Now, the biggest thing about this is that in the 70s, he was so keyed and so good. The way the rumor worked out was this. Every, uh, he had to go through a specialized uh, heart surgery. And he insisted up and down to the doctors that were going to perform the surgery on him to not use any steel, only use obsidian. If the rumors are true, he built an obsidian scalpel to give to the doctor to just to use on to cut out his heart. Man, this dude was so confident obsidian. He was straight calling his shot, said, use my knife. Like, bro, you can't be serious. It's a black rock. Like, trust me. I mean, how 
baller of a move is, is this. Hey, Dude, that that is someone with some webbles <laughs> on him and a lot of trust on Obsidian. It's not even that. You go to your doctor's office. All right, I need you to cut my heart out. I know I need the surgery, but here, use this knife. Also, use this. You were giving the tools to the surgeon to use on yourself. Now, keep in mind, if we know now, um, just for anybody's sake, if you wanted to do this, the FDA legitimately does not recommend using the, uh, Obsidian at all. <laughs> that that's on there. That's a pretty big hit for your no-no list. And the reason why is because Obsidians will splinter. And if you've ever seen, and uh, anyone who's seen the movie Iron Man, where he's got a bunch of shrapnel in his uh, in his uh, chest, that's the same thing. Except instead of uh, a metal piece of shrapnel, you have shrapnel pieces of glass. That is sharper than the metal pieces of shrapnel. You would wish you had shrapnel. Yeah, so you, the, this guy just basically is out. Now, the reason why I have to say the FDA does not recommend or say to do that, because there are surgeons out there that still use medical tools built of uh, apples and such built out of obsidian. Mainly, and it's around facial reconstruction. The reason why they do that is obsidian's sharpness is, is, is its biggest asset. So if you cut, um, if you have a sharp cut that goes through, the sharper the cut, it's actually the easier for it to heal on its own, especially in surgeries in the 70s. This is, I don't think laser technology has been came, uh, had been used for surgeries until the 80s. The, using the specialized uh, scalpels, a lot of plastic surgeons would use them because the healing process would make it so it have the least visible scar possible. Less damage to the uh, epithelial cells um, mm -hmm. when cutting through the skin and so forth. Yeah, it's less damage to the skin, um, less damage to the... So, so it, surgeons that would use it don't want to use it in big surgeries like heart surgery, but they will use it for... I think they call that soft tissue surgery. Yeah, it sounds like it's because it's... It almost sounds like it's one of the situations where it sounds like it's too sharp. Or, or when they want to use it, they just kind of want to just put on stuff where just like... It will cut easily, but it'll also heal fairly easily too. Yeah, there's probably also the risk that if the blade itself chips, now you've got a flake rolling around inside of a chest cavity or something. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Back to the back to the whole like horse head lobbing theory is like, listen, man, that thing is already sharp like a mother, and now you have a piece of it stuck inside <laughs> you. <laughs> Badass, right? It hurts. And it's like, listen, this is. So metal it's, that it had to revert back to stone. Beyond metal. Beyond. It's obsidian. I don't think they'll buy that selling point, but, you know, go for it. I mean, it might work. <laughs> no, but, you know, if there's ever a market for uh, obsidian, I think we might have found the commercial for it. There you go. There's your slogan. <laughs> Come get some obsidian. This can cut through anything. Almost anything. It'll cut through my heart. Yes, it'll cut through your heart. So... Would I want an obsidian knife? Heck yeah, I would want an obsidian knife. To see how exactly sharp an obsidian blade is compared to a, a steel blade, a steel scalpel, you uh, you can see its edges a lot, very rigid, and at its closest at 10 nanometers. Is it nanometers? When you're looking through a microscope. Oh. Yeesh. Um, I want to say it's 10 nan uh, nanometers. But for obsidian blades to see its sharpness, you'll see a completely uh, sharp uh, sharp scale, but it's down to a hundred nanometers, so it's ten times sharper than any blade that you'll find, uh, any of the regular uh, blades that you have. And so that's kind of important for surgery because, again, the cleaner to cut, 
the easier, the better to heal and the least amount of scarring that you'll get. Yeah. And especially for a surgeries on your face. Well, I kind of want to keep the scars mm-hmm. to minimum. That's that's my moneymaker right there. It's like, this This is where my paycheck comes from. <laughs> but yeah, so that's sort of how, how it works out. Uh, these obsidian blades starts off in the Stone Age, then works its way, but it gets phased out for most cultures when steel and iron becomes available. Because one thing that's, that we do know is that they last longer. Obsidian can break really easily. Um... And that's the sharpest you got. And then you have any other stones. They're not as... they. Some of them aren't as reliable. But all, more to the point, stoneworks are harder to get to make the shape you need it to be in. But obsidian also has a very versatile use of what you can do it for. And even been used for a number of... You know, I had lots of things for practical and spiritual properties as well. It is the god of stone after all. Italy. Mm-hmm. Italy. Italy. It's the Carl. I I know that there's an obsidian goddess. It's yeah. Wait, it's wait. a palato. Hold on. Let me, let me try yeah. to find this. How do you spell it? Are you talking about the one that you were trying to get me to say and I can never pronounce correctly? It it's a palato. It's okay. It's a palato is spelled I T Z P A. Good luck. P-A-L-O-T-L. Which I keep on wanting to throw some sort of Italian accent on this. Like, it's Papalato! It's Papalato! <laughs> oh, jeez, I can believe that. That's close enough. Oh, it's a uh, it's Papalato. It's Papalato. Or, let me <laughs> double check this. Oh, hello, Smite. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Papalato. Um, or... Known as the Obsidian mm-hmm. Butterfly. Oh, you're so pretty. Also, that sounds like a cool like metal band name. Obsidian Butterfly. Obsidian Butterfly. Again, more metal we can <laughs> use for our bargaining and marketing. And it's like like Obsidian. The rock that's like a, that's so badass, it's sort of metal. This is a black metal band. I guess that's how you can uh, market it, too. It's sort of metal. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of metal. <laughs> It's like, it's it's kind of metal. It's like, you mean like it's really, really hard? Just like, I mean, it's pretty badass is what I mean. But does that mean that everybody would have to, in that band, would have to dress very, very emo because they're they're totally edgy, as edgy as that obsidian blade no, is? No, because, because obsidian it can be flashy too. Dude, ah, it is literally nice. a, bo- it, hold on, hold on. You know what? Yes, it's, oh, what would be like the best? It's like, it's. It's that metal where, like, it's dark and sharp and edgy, but it also has a great shine to it. It's like that super emo kid that has a bubbly personality, <laughs> where it's just like, I like, I freaking hate life, but it's like, I freaking love like you guys though. It's like you're like my best friends and fantastic, and we're just great, fantastic, but just life just sucks all the time. But their emotions are so fragile that they just fall apart at the moment's notice. Yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> it's your obsidian friend. It's <laughs> your obsidian friend. That's your obsidian friend. It's just like, listen, they may they may be dark and fragile, but they will easily cut a bitch when you need them to. There you go. <laughs> there Everybody you go. needs an obsidian friend. Boom. <laughs> Our new band. It's Papalato. We're the obsidian butterflies. Uh, Layla, I feel like you have more hair between the two of us, so it sounds like you're volunteering for bass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be your bassist in this band. I got no hair. You've probably got me in the back on drums or something. 
It's like, it's like the, the determinant of the obsidian butterfly is about the length of our hair. That just determines your spot. The coolest looking hair, that guy is the your front man. But yeah, that's sort of the brief history on how obsidian works. Basically, it was Stone Age gets died out when steel comes out. And then, much like a lot of metal, shows up in the 70s to do stuff that you don't expect, like being used for for practical surgeries. But then you end up checking back on just like, you know, it's like you came back out of nowhere. Let's just go back. And then you just get a good reminder of just not only how bad it is, but how wonderful, versatile, and just great it really is. And I mean, I think the fact that we're even now talking about a city a lot more, it sounds like it's starting to get gun back. I know that someone has made an obsidian kitchen knife, and I'd like to know how effective it is. Ooh! Because I think it would be great for at first, but um, uh, but after so much time, I'm not. I want to know how effective that is after my fortieth uh, uh, steak meat I have to cut. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. there are ceramic knives. I I feel like I would like obsidian knives better than ceramic knives for just slicey dicey issues. I'd like it more for its cool factor, <laughs> the, the obsidian knife. But I think a ceramic would be a better one for some purposes. It's like I'll be using that knife to cut some sashimi into the the band's side business, the Obsidian Butterfly Sushi Restaurant. Yeah, you just gotta watch out, like, because if it starts after too many uses, you're like, hmm, my my uh, pieces of sashimi uh, taste a little crunchy this evening. I wonder why. Slices, so slice. Oh, that's uh, the. Uh, Unvolunteer black temporal we actually put in there. Ah, why is my tongue bleeding? Also, same black tempura. Just have them sign a waiver before they eat it and call it a day. That's like, uh, and that's why the uh, restaurant went out of business. And <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Back the knives. Back the knives again. At least uh, we're gonna go steal again. Back to back to steal. Let's do this. Back, back to steal. Tried and true. <laughs> All right. So I think this is a good spot to finish up on this one. So with that, any kind of final thoughts that we have about this, about Obsidian? Uh, as you now know, if you want to get me a nice gift, an Obsidian of any sort, I kind of want to see if I can get my hands on some Obsidian Rock, th- rock this weekend. Dude, honestly, um, same. Like, I-, I may just actually just message one of my, one of those colored haired face piercing friends we have and just like, do you know where to get the special pretty spiritual rocks? Well, see, I I want a big chunk of obsidian so I can have it as an obsidian. Oh, you want you want just a giant chunk of it. I need it in a brick format. As I can can I just get like a boulder of obsidian minimum for the per- or just use you know go Peter Griffin just use a uh arbitrary measuring systems. Can I have a barrel of obsidian, sir? A pallet, if you will. Uh, like a pallet with obsidian, and uh, you know, why it's up there? Can you give me like a maybe a teaspoon of diamonds while you're at it. Just, I don't know, if you can spare it, I guess. Just you know, it's not too much trouble. A desk drawer of topaz. Um, and can I? I'll look for I'll look for a knife for you. <laughs> nice knife that you could just put on the wall. That'll make you happy, right? <laughs> just just like one obsidian knife. Just have it be like just one of those super tiny pocket knives, and just like there, there's my special knife. You're tiny, but mighty. You can put it into a box that says good for one home intrusion. <laughs> just put a label on it. Just as good for four uses tops. And it's like little, little, like little on quote, little quotation thing, warning thing on the bottom. Just like shrapnel may happen. Yep. There you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. We'll put it in the shrapnel. So, yeah, I guess if, the, if you have a takeaway on this from the gaming theater, it's 
will use Obsidian 2 as a protection weapon, but really make sure to label it. It's only good for a couple of uses. And it's like, it will be perfect for the sharpest sharp stuff. But then also know that after that thing, you're probably not going to use it again. <laughs> All right. Our next episode should be coming out and be available on June 3rd. And we'll uh, be looking forward on what episode that's going to be. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this uh, little EXP boost. This is Gaming Theater. Logging out. All right. Later, y'all. Bye, everyone. See ya. Adios, mi gente. Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is A Drinking Game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam Parker. You can find him at ParkerGFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some financial support to help with producing things for Gaming Theater, you can do so at Patreon.com slash Gaming Theater Presents. It helps us out. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.